The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What is up? Welcome to episode number 346 of On the Court of the Official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast, joined, as always, by the very pleased Nick Pollock. Nick, how you doing? What is happening? Yes, I'm so pleased. Why? Because Alex Fast is back home, which actually isn't something I'm necessarily pleased about. I like being on the same time Cook, zone yeah. okay. as you. I... Uh, but he's back on the West Coast where he has his wonderful microphone. You can hear him. He does yes. not sound like he's in a wind tunnel now. He has respect for your ears. I do. I do. Listen, had Thank I known I was going to be out in Florida for two weeks, I would have brought it. But now we're back. I'm glad every time I, you know, we'd had an audio test last week before we recorded. Nick's ears would start bleeding and he would he would look <laughs> deeply into my eyes and go, Jesus wept. And I'd be like, this is a little bit dramatic. Okay. Yeah, that, that is that is a lot fast. Um, it's from Hellraiser. I just watched Hellraiser. Yeah, thanks. Um, <laughs> That's a great movie. Uh, the original, not the original's good. The new one's not so good. Uh-huh. Uh, we are so last week we were like we're gonna get through Nick's top two hundred pitchers. We're probably gonna get through the top one hundred. We got through thirty seven. That's okay. Yeah. We gave you some hard hitting analysis uh-huh. before we get into tier six, which is which is a fun one. There's some we're getting to the point where it's like ooh, it's spicy. Before we get into those though, there were one or two changes to the list uh, that came out. After we recorded and then it was released. Yeah. So what were the what we, we want to be able to I changed Nick's mind about Dylan Cease is, is what we're saying. No. And now I, Nick's the high man on Dylan Cease. Yeah, industry. no, not true. <laughs> no. I so here's the thing. Um, first and foremost, when I originally did the uh the top two hundred, right? I did the live stream, I was like, all right, I'm gonna start at eleven, I'm, it's gonna be done when it's done. And I took a lot longer than I normally do. Normally when I do this preseason top two hundred or really it's just supposed to be 100 and I don't even go in past another 100. It's more of just kind of a last minute um, or last purge of the season. Like this is where I am at the end of the season. I expect to change these things and really be retrospective later on. And I found myself saying, whatever, I'm not going to have that. I'm just going to go and combine those two as much as I can right now. And instead of putting that out that night on Monday, um, I decided to spend the next three days writing a total of 9,000 words um, to really 
really purge because we're not going to have, you know, we're not going to have another proper ranking from me until the beginning of February. And I realized that I put this out and this is the reference point that I have for myself, you know, representation of me for the next three, four months. Right. So uh, I took more time with it. And um, along that path, we did our podcast and I changed one thing, which was I put Dylan Seas instead of 22, he's at 20. And Justin Verlander at 22. And the reason and, and the reason that Cease is at 20 um, is the fact that the strikeouts were so high and there is a chance that the 10% walk rate is not going to stick around. Do I believe that he's going to be much better and everything? No, but I feel that the risks of Darvish and Verlander are more accentuated. I think that Verlander's stuff got worse this past year. I think he got very fortunate. I don't think he recovers more. I think it kind of stays here gets worse next year while Darvish has these weird moments sometimes he has his cutter working and it's brilliant and then the four-seamer command still isn't great slider sometimes is great and sometimes it's not and it just doesn't feel as much of a foundation as everyone else in that tier three I said you know what might as well go for the guy that had what 230 strikeouts this year fine Dylan sees you're at 20 but that's I mean that's as small of a thing. You know, I'm sure Verlander will go in the top ten in some cases and someone will love Dylan's season. Who cares? But you know, just wanted to get that one addendum. Good. I'm glad we were able to, you know, give give some perspective there. That's what we're trying to do. But now let's move on to I think I need a new I didn't even realize I need a new uh <laughs> I, listen, I'm so perplexed as to every time I introduce a category now, you go, ugh. Well, what, do you, really what, you, funny. what kind of what kind of categories do you want? Like, what do you? What no, do you I think you're doing great. Fast, I think it's sometimes I'm like, oh, okay, you know, okay. So, don't don't don't, don't pander to me. Uh, I'm, you know, well, it's the I same way that sure. I make a joke. I make a, a dad joke, and you always roll your eyes, but you know you love them. You know, yeah, you're just embellishing. True. Okay, yeah. you do it for the people. Okay, great. Um, all right, here we go. <laughs> all right, this one's gonna be a fun one. I don't know oh, why no, I came to my I head. What did I say that triggers something for you? Is uh, diner foods? Diner oh, foods okay. is is today's uh, is today. So keep in mind, is, top five tiers are gone. So yeah, know, think about so the that. cake case. The cake case is out. <laughs> no, it's the case cake. It's important. Oh, yeah, case. It's not about the case that's holding the cake. It's about it's the cake about, that's inside the inside the case. The case. Okay, case. very good. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna start. We're gonna we're gonna start with tier six. Legendary. That's some- S tier. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're going to start with tier six. This is 37 through 42. 37, Jesus Lazardo, uh, Nick Lodolo, Pablo Lopez, Kyle Wright, John Gray, and Joe Ryan. What's it called and why is it called that? Um, Okay, this is the chicken fingers tier. Mm. So at a diner, there are ver- there's variety. Sometimes you get some chicken fingers at a diner and it's just like, you know what? I feel safe with this, but sometimes I've gone to diners and it's just, it's it's weird. It's not your, your standard, like the bread is is crumbly, yeah. doesn't stay yeah, on, yeah. and they're not of quality. You don't know what sauces you're going to get. But there are some times where it's just like, you get some chicken fingers, mm. and they're just like, this is exactly it. Yeah. Bingo. All of a sudden, you've you. jumped up to A-tier diner I'm with food, you. right? I dig it. So that, dig that's it. what these guys are. These are your, I think these are really good pitchers who could be sp2s even in, maybe an sp1 is is in here somewhere but there are very much warts across all of them 
Okay, so let's start with the first guy leading off the tier in Jesus Lazardo because, you know, there, there's definitely a lot to be pleased with, right? I mean, 104 whip, fantastic. 30% K rate, fantastic. You look at the curveball, the sinker, and the changeup, the highest batting average against you're going to find is 200, which is against the sinker. Absolutely fantastic. The highest Woba you're going to find is 250, uh, 267, excuse me, on the changeup. So a lot of great pitches that are good at, you know, minimizing contacts, you know, strength out a lot of dudes however if we're looking at the opposite end of the spectrum here this is a guy who has never thrown more well he's thrown 100 innings once right this is the first time this right. season that he was able to hit 100 innings constantly plagued by injuries hasn't been able to put a full season together has had some opportunities to do so um are you kind of thinking that this is the year that we're able to see a hundred, you know, if he's 36, you probably want to hope for 150, 160 innings at a Jesus Cesardo. Yeah, 37, but doesn't make a difference. I, uh, yeah, that's a really good point. And it might be something that I did not weigh enough here was the injury risk. I, I'm associating tier six with the beginning of, all right, we just had tier five of your, of your floor guys, right? Your, your jerbies and, Chris Bassett and Valdez and, and Webb. Uh, and yes, Derby is George Kirby and Gilbert, just so you guys know. So that is out of the way. And now it's when we get more exciting stuff for me. Mm. And uh, that's kind of where you should have SP3 done at this point for me. And uh, SP4 is where I'm going at this point. Jesus Lazardo could be that that jump. And, but the innings are, are a major issue. The, yeah. the, what I saw this year from Lazardo, beginning of the year, we got so excited. Velocity was up to 97 instead of 95.5 from 2021 as I'm, I'm holding back a cough. Oh, we have, <coughs> there it is. Oh God. Go you lost. <laughs> you lost. Nick, please. <laughs> tried so hard. No, Nick. Jesus <laughs> Lazardo's um, curveball was really good at the beginning of the year. And then change him at the end before the injury was actually excellent. He came back and Lazardo was throwing like 95.5 and 96, but the change was elite. And what we saw by the end of the year was there were times the change was elite. The curveball was great. The velocity was up to 96. And that works. If if Luzardo is really pumping curveballs and changeups with consistency, about 50% of the time, 50 to 60%, and then has a velocity of 96 on that four-seamer, oh boy. Uh, this could be a very, very exciting season. But right, if it's a, over 100 innings, I'd be very upset. I'm going to assume that he's not going to have another injury like that. Really, the last two seasons are the last real opportunities for Luzardo. So I, yeah, this, I mean, Luzardo's 2021 was the weirdest thing ever until the last month. Then he had this one injury in the middle of this one. I'm hoping that Luzardo can really uh, excel if he's given some regular playing time. I would be very surprised if we came into the season you know, I, I was just thinking real quick about Hazel Cesardo and the conversations we had at the beginning of the year. And we said, listen, there's so much incredible depth in Miami that if he's if he's not as effective as he we know he can be, if he's constantly getting injured, there's a chance that he's not going to get the innings. Right. Because, yeah. you know, we talked about how Sandy Pablo, Edward Cabrera, Trevor Rogers, we even still thought Eliezer Hernandez could be an option. Sure. Sixto Sanchez, Max Mayer. Um, I now that's that exact same conversation is going to happen next year, but it kind of leads me to believe that they have to move one of those guys. Well, yes and no. Some offense. So Max Mayer, Tommy John, uh, Sixo Sanchez, uh, apparently coming back for spring training. 
and they're trying for that. But I mean, he hasn't pitched since 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, so who knows what they're going to get there? Eliezer Hernandez, not nearly as effective as they thought. Yeah. So yeah. that and, and Trevor Rogers, I mean, I'm intrigued by Trevor Rogers. Um, I, I don't know what we're going to get. And I don't know if we're even going to get to Trevor Rogers in this one. But uh, we'll talk about that later. So really, it's just Sandy and Pablo at the top that they feel really good about. Cabrera. And then Luzardo's the three in my in my view. There might be someone I'm forgetting. Oh, and now we're Cabrera four. Right. Yeah. And then the fifth is like, OK, what's that going to be? The uh, the days of the Marlins dealing Pablo Lopez away because it's so obvious. Not as much because of all of that haze at the bottom right now that we talked about. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be Trevor Rogers five. Um, but Eliezer six, though. And Max Meyer, well, that's more of just like, please, Sixto, do something. Yeah. Um, but Luzardo's position is very, very sturdy in my view. Okay. Let's talk about the next person who appears right after him, and another guy that I think is going to turn a lot of heads or be a topic of conversation this offseason, and Nick Lodolo. There were moments this year where that, you know, that 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 heater from him looked absolutely electric, obviously dealing with uh, a lot of swing and miss there end of the year with a, a 30% K rate as well. Um, the issue, though, was the walk rate and a little bit more. It's a little bit different than Hazel Cesardo's walk rate, even though I think they were virtually the same walk rate at about 9%. What's kind of interesting is I, I was curious to see if Nick Lodolo's um, command would get better over the course of the season, right? If this is at the beginning, you know, walked a few guys here and there, kind of went up and down, had some back-to-back four walk appearances. Then there was a stretch really in September where he minimized him. I mean, from the end of August all the way to the end of September, um, it looked pretty good. Not walking more than two guys back to back 11 strikeout games against Milwaukee and Pittsburgh. What's really interesting, though, I kind of noticed is if you click on the strike zone plot for his last game where he gave up five, wa- five walks against Chicago. And then you look at really any other strike zone plot like I'm looking at the 11 strikeout game versus Pittsburgh there. You don't look at that and think like, oh, the command is much better. in one of these starts, it's just guys obliging him out of the zone a lot yeah. more. Right? Right, right. It's Pittsburgh saying, OK, we're going to swing at this breaker out of the zone a little bit more. But honestly, if you look at the five walk game, that that's not the strike zone plot of a guy who really it looks like he's going to walk five. The, the Absolutely. Really there was one thing about that is you don't see the curveballs out of the zone um, and tempting out of the zone per usual so Hmm. what that tells me is i you're not getting those at bats where it's let's say one two 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 those are waste pitches now those aren't over the plate those are easy takes then you get to those three two situations and then there are a lot of fastballs in that game that are outside of the zone where in those three two situations he had to throw a fastball and that was an easy take away or up and it's not always about the heater when it comes to walk rates it is about as you like to know, put away rate and how bad those secondaries can be as well. If you look at that 11 strikeout game against the Pittsburgh Pirates, you'll see so many arm side, sorry, glove side uh, curveballs falling uh, down out of the zone just enough to get those whiffs. And that's why I had 13 whiffs on that curveball in that game. And that's a difference maker. Um, those aren't turning into balls in deeper counts that then he needs to turn back to a heater. Uh, so so those are the little adjustments, but right, it wasn't an erratic pitcher. Yeah. It, it wasn't someone where he throws the ball and he has no idea where it's going to go. And I think mm-hmm. over time, you know, something I'm trying to weigh more heavily this year than I have in previous years is expected development. Uh, and with certain guys, I think I can get expected development. Some I can't, like Aaron Ashby. I'm not going to expect it as much because I really do have concerns about that sinker command. 
But I think yeah. the overall picture of Ludolo isn't someone who can't make these adjustments and little tweaks over time. I really do like this kid. Um, it's interesting. I'm not as big of a fan of Hunter Green as a lot of others. We'll talk about that one probably in this one too. But with Lodolo, fastball curveball, the curveball 22% swing strike rate this year is something you should not overlook. Sorry, 21%. The sinker, I think, is going to get better at 10.3 right now, but he's elevating it more and more. I think he gets better with that. I mean, is it a four-seamer? Is it a sinker? We can talk about that another time. I think it's like he's and Maniaism where we don't really know. It's just a low arm angled fastball. Um, they act the same way a lot. Um, and uh, there's also this changeup that I think at the beginning of the year was a bigger story for Ludolo. And the more that he removes it as a zone pitch, you know, I think a lot of times he got, it got too much of the zone. The more that he keeps it like Logan Webb's, which is just completely under the zone, mm-hmm. the more we'll see effectiveness from that as another mix up pitch. And there's a lot to like with Ludolo. I mean, he's in Cincinnati. That's the biggest neg- negative. But you also mean that also means you get the Cubs and you get the Brewers and the Cardinals and the yeah. and the Pirates. Uh, maybe not next year's schedule a little bit, but I should I I think Ludolo is someone that can be your SB three with a ton of strikeouts next year. Okay, uh, last person I want to talk about in this tier, and then I'll throw it over to you. If there's any other people that you want to hit on, uh, is is John Gray coming in at forty one now. John Gray, it seems like, by my estimation, a little bit high on this list. This is a guy who, you know, near four ERA, ended the year with a 3.96 ERA. Um, Another guy who struggled with command this year. Yeah, the fastball velocity at 96 was good, but the fastball was actually a pretty average major league fastball this year, by all estimates. Didn't really get a lot of swing and miss. Uh, The slider, obviously fantastic for him. But looking behind him, there are a lot of guys who have finished, you know, their years with better ERA better swing and miss better command better whip um what are you thinking about john gray that has him coming in at 41 for you yeah john gray uh i think we're underestimating um i'll put it this way since june 12th through the end of the year john gray had a 321 era a 103 whip and a 27 percent strike rate strikeout rate and a six percent walk rate that's across 81 innings uh if you remember john gray was hampered by injuries to start the year uh, he wasn't able to get into any sort of rhythm. Uh, he had two starts and was removed. Uh, and then he, when he came back, it wasn't quite clear. Was he okay? Was he not? Uh, but then he dominated. I mean, even the first start of June was a 12-strikeout game with seven strikeouts. I should have even included that inside of that long uh, you know, that long stretch. John Gray has, an, has a really good slider, if you ask me. 93 miles per hour. Sometimes actually was 97.8 in one start, and I freaked out about it. Because that was that was super cool to see, mm-hmm. and a slider that is legit. I mean, this is a, this is an excellent slider. We knew that in Colorado, we just wanted to get out of, of course, cores. But this had a twenty one percent swing strike rate, thirty six percent CSW this year, only a fourteen percent hard contact allowed on it. That's not going away, and as long as that fastball is good enough, which to me it is, it's not elite. Thirty one percent hard contact rate is not ideal. Point seven five, point two seven five. Average. No one says that. 0. 0.275. 275 average. <laughs> um, but I think that you give him no injuries. John Gray out of the gate. Spring training, all that stuff. Totally fine. Yeah, John Gray is an SP3 and SP4. Um, he was for a lot of you guys in the middle of the year. He was an absolute ace uh, during that time since the beginning of June, essentially, for the final four months. 
And I think that's the true John Gray. All right. Any other names you wanted to touch quickly upon before we move on to the next tier? Uh, y'all should not give up on Pablo Lopez. 375 ERA point. Uh, so man, 1.17 whip. Uh, I don't know why I'm acting like this. But he's really Nick, good. wake up. <laughs> wake up, Nick. It, it, it is kind of funny that I, I was thinking about Pablo Lopez and like, oh, yeah, he's been really good for a while, right? Like, well... Uh, 307 ERA in 2021 and a 361 in that 2020 season. Um, hasn't had a whip underneath 110. But what did I do now? What did I do? Nothing. I just, you just reminded me of that meme where I could just picture you in bed with your girlfriend. And then she's like, he's probably thinking about other whip and women. You're like, Pablo Lopez is just like, I don't know what's going on with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I- the way I see it is I don't think he's a 3.75 ERA guy. I don't think he's a 2.75 ERA guy. I think Lopez is honestly like a 3.5. He's going to settle there normally. He was actually higher around 4 than he and he brought it back later in the year. Fastball command is generally very good. Changeup was a little bit worse this year than we normally see. Um, only a 27.6% uh, C-step. Actually, it's in line with what normally is. No, the strike rate went down to 63%. as opposed to about um, a little over 68% in 2021. But I don't know. I think Pablo Lopez is just really good. We got the innings finally, 180. That's what we've been waiting for. Yeah. I don't think he's as bad as he was in 2022. Um, I understand if people don't want to touch him because of the shoulder stuff that he had in 19, 20, and 21. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just think he's a solid pitcher and he's better than the traditional Tobies, where they're, for them, they don't have that 27% strikeout rate ceiling. Um, sure. that Pablo Lopez has shown. So maybe I am a little too high on Pablo, uh, and I might adjust that by February, but I still feel like if you draft him, yeah, cool. You're not going to want to drop him through the year. All right, let's move on to uh, tier number 743 through 48. Freddie oh, Peralta. Wait. wait, sorry. I gave sorry. you the opportunity. <laughs> I know, and I just said one guy. Yeah, you Kyle did. Kyle Wright, I think he's overperforming. His curveball isn't this good. And Joe Ryan, look, if he gets a slider actually like really working, I was tempted to even put Joe Ryan higher because the fastball is that good. I don't think mm. we are really... I know we were understood at the end of 2021 how good Joe Ryan's fastball was, but I don't think we really understood in 2022. I think it is still really good. Um, it's better than Bailey Obers, for example. And mm. the slider had moments where it did take off. Give him a full year again without any injury. He had some injury this year. This could, uh, this could be something. Uh, I, I want us to understand Joe Ryan has more potential than he may be showing. Joe Ryan. Joe Ryan cost me $50 this year. Made good on my bet with Paul Sporer over under four ERA. Hey, you, said, you, said a, a four, you said over a four ERA? Yeah, I thought it would be like a 410, 420. I mean, I didn't think that I didn't think he was going to be able to amp up the slider usage that he did. I thought that the whole thing was that, you know, Eno talked a lot about this, about a, a lot of the reason his fastball would have success was because of deception. And teams are going to see him a lot more frequently this year. They were picking up on it third time through the order a little bit more. And listen, there were let's that wasn't that crazy, man. At the at one point in September, he had like a three, eight, five, three, nine ERA. He was trending pretty poorly for a, a not, a, you know, not a, a, a good amount of time. Remember, there, were, there was like those starts against the Dodgers. There was that one start against San Diego where they left him in forever and he gave up 10 earned runs. Um, but I was wrong at the end of the year. I was totally wrong. And now there what was a good a man. Dollar. Alex fast is uh, I do want to mention the slider for Joe Ryan. 
Money pitch. 41% no swing, uh, 41% zones, zone rate, 16% swing strike rate. My, the terms of a money pitch are so archaic to me. I know. Because yeah, like a 15% yeah. swing strike rate on a, on a slider is like, what are you doing? This is not yeah. good. It needs to be like 18 but or even 20 or something. But we need, we hard contact like a, was 18.7%. Oh, like don't worry. We're going to have a way to justify a money pitch yeah. next year. Yeah, yeah. And uh, like that's that. a tease. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next tier. So 43 through 48, Freddie Peralta, Andrew Heaney, Lance McCullers Jr., Chris Sale, Blake Snell, Frankie Montas. What's it called and why is it called that? We're back oh, yeah, to the right. diner. Diner food. Hmm. Diner food. Okay. Um, This, this is your Eggs Benedict. Okay. Because, you know, that has been to me like a staple of like, you know, you want like something breakfast, but at a diner, do you really go for the eggs Benedict? Sure. You know, um, I'm, by the way, S tier would have been for me. It's it's pancakes with uh, whatever the special is with pancakes, medium rare. And you have the eggs and you have the bacon and uh, hash browns. That's your go to. Oh, just like, yes, that's what we do when we go to Arizona. Right. That's our morning. When we went to Denny's. Yeah, we went to Denny's. I was like, it was the only <laughs> diner in town. We're like trying to find it. We were in the car and they're, yeah. and we're saying, is there like a place to get like brunch or something here? Us from, you know, Williamsburg and, and Brooklyn and everything like that. And like, there's um, a Denny's. Denny's. Yeah. <laughs> and we looked at each Arizona other. Accent. Yeah. Yeah. That's how they sound. Yeah. And we looked at each other. We're like, we're going to Denny's. Take us to Denny's, yeah. you know? Yeah, um, and then we went and we were like, "Holy crap! We just had breakfast for ten dollars." <laughs> I know it was it was so much food. I I wish I I think I took a picture of it. Like the entire table, we had a booth was just covered. I I love to like one of the things I love about you. We're gonna have a quick friendship rant, so deal with it. Um, <laughs> one of the things I love about you is you're an East you're a New Yorker through and through, right? You sure. spent a lot of your life in New York. Like I know plenty of New Yorkers are born and raised. They're comfortable in New York, and that's where they spend a majority of their time. When I can get you out of New York and into other states, it always cracks me up. Like your <laughs> well, experience you're, okay, at a okay. Denny's in Arizona just cracks. Well, I mean, me I've up. had I've been to Denny's before. It was not the first not time. Arizona. But just the, like, what, what, what was the difference? Oh, it was just cheaper. A, it was just like all this a, stuff. No, no, okay, there's a difference. No. I see what you're saying. Um, but I mean, yeah, you took me to Cracker Barrel, which then I I, I, <laughs> I took to uh, Casey Bubba and and uh, Batflip Crazy. I took them out there last year. It was wonderful. As fast as yeah. suppressing coughs now because of oh, that's funny. Oh man! But then you know, I remember you. You were like, you've never had a Big Mac, Nick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just like when I would go to when I would go to McDonald's, I wouldn't get a Big Mac. I would get like the double cheeseburger thing oh, on the menu. Right. I just never had a Big Mac, you know. Yes. I mean, I've had them one or two since. I'm like, they're fine. They're God, fine. I they're forgot fine. about that Cracker Barrel. Yeah. I just like, I remember. Be, remember do you remember what so the good. well, like the but like what the waiting experience is like at the Cracker Barrel? Well, yeah, like it's a gift, gift store. Yeah. All, yeah, yeah. Gift anyway, store, we, gift shop. Yeah, we, um, we it was a wonderful time. List. So, so I'm going to get back to this. Um, and so it's an eggs Benedict. Okay. Um, because you know, you look at it and you think there's so you know, I know you and I, I know that you can be great. <laughs> I know what an ex bank that is, and I know how good those can be. <laughs> oh, um, dastardly, though. However, is this English muffin gonna be cooked at all or, or toasted at all? Sure. Is this is this ham or Canadian bacon actual done right? Is a hollandaise okay? Yeah. You know, like am I gonna am I gonna Cut through this and be disappointed. Um, Speaking I don't of know. 
speaking of if something is cooked, we can start with Chris Sale, uh, who gave us nothing, gave us absolutely nothing last year. Right. Uh, This is an ex Benedict you were sending back. It's now been about 48 innings in the past two years, uh, excuse me, in the past three years. Right. Because didn't pitch in 2020, 2021, the surgery, 2022. We're back. I mean, what what? Uh, either he is going to be a steal for people this year or we the days of Chris Sale's dominance are are gone. I'm very curious to see where he lands on a lot of people's lists this year. He starts at 46 for you. Give us some insight as to why. Yeah, and I actually have a lot to say about this too, but before we do, we're going to take a quick We're back. I lost. Uh, yeah, just keep, yeah, get come together, fast. Come on, man. I, I know give you, like, every opportunity. I know that one, that one, that one. And I had a whole plan for this week, and I totally forgot it, and I I, I messed it up. But let, let's get let's get back to Chris Sale. He's in, in at forty six, so he's still in the top fifty, which is understandable. I mean, but then again, is it understandable? He's he yeah. is far. He is three years removed from being right. I, actually, right. you can make a case he's four years removed mm. from being his his typical self because twenty nineteen also stunk well you know what fast you're not wrong uh, i remember being at a uh, at fenway during his return in 2021 it was a the pitcher list boston meetup aaron oh, ashby two, two outs in the first inning sales redemption right the savior for the red sox and no one was standing up i like i had to stand up and applaud and, and i'm a yankee fan and i was the one doing it in fenway i couldn't believe it anyway yeah. um uh, I think really this is a representation of the entire tier. I actually tried to make this one larger and I wanted to call it the redemption tier because I feel every year, this is what I say, there's a point where the injured guys, the guys that are underwhelming or so, um, the ones that you aren't banking on being an SP3, um, it, w- at what point do you shift going after the high ceiling of these versus the safer ones, right? Mm. And we're getting close to that uh, tier where is it tier 11 is that true safe one and there are these i mean there's so many very intriguing guys that could be inside the top 20 this year um in tiers seven eight nine um in ten so with this one specifically it was a lot of them that had either a lost season or um showed lots of potential we know that they should be better and chris sale obviously so chris sale still has a really good slider Chris Sale, if he can get his velocity somewhere close to uh, 95 again, can still be very, very good. Um, and even in 2021, when he wasn't himself and he had that high whip, everything else was still really good. So I can buy into an idea that Chris Sale, if he doesn't get a liner that breaks his finger or um, other aspect, you know, that was his, in his return. Like he came back yeah. and he got a liner. Oh, my finger's going the wrong way. You know, our healthy offseason. Everything's all right. I mean, look, he's not going to have a whip above 130. He should probably have it 120 or better. And then it's Chris Sale. Like, it's not going to be a four-year-a guy. It, it should be underneath. That should be hopefully like a 24% strikeout rate if he still gets his change it back in the slider doing things. Like, that makes all the sense. It, it, it uh, With everyone in this tier, I can give you a very simple narrative to tell you that they're going to be great. Yeah, and that that's kind of what separated this from from others. Like tier nine has the other redemption tier. Like even had t- tier ten in between and being like, okay, like maybe these are there's a little bit more contention to 
they'd belong above the other ones, but below the second one, right? So anyway, so Chris yeah. Sale's in the middle of this, and I'm happy to talk very briefly about the other ones to, you know, because I know we're going to go long in this one too. Yeah. Uh, no, there are definitely other guys that I wanted to talk about here. Freddie Peralta is one of them just to jump back a little bit. I tried to go in chronological order, but had that opportunity to talk about a cooked pitcher and just had to take it. Hey. So Freddie Peralta, you know, a lot of guys were, were drafted and ended up being pretty big disappointments for teams. Uh, I was feeling very excited about my Walker Bueller, Freddie Peralta uh, uh, duo inside of the pitcher list um, staff league. And boy, that didn't turn out well. Um, he <laughs> dealt with injuries over the, the course of the entire year. You know, last year we saw him get 144 innings and we thought, OK, right. We're always talking about guys building, building, building. Can he get to 170? Can he get to 180? That seems entirely plausible. And maybe uh, I don't want to speak for everyone, but maybe this is just me. Sometimes I forget to uh, acknowledge the fact that they could also take huge steps backwards, which Freddie Peralta sure. did and showed yeah. that the injury concerns are still very, very much there. Kind of, you know, one, let's put it to you. One, how many innings do you see Freddie Peralta getting next year? And two, it seems like you see them being quality innings. Well, right. So we see 144 this year because we were thinking... I'm sorry, from 2021. 21. Uh, and to us, to, I mean, to me, this is my action. I'm a little more aggressive when it comes to a, a pitcher's innings than I think others are. And look at Alec Manoa this past year. Um, he didn't have 130 innings in 2021. The Jays nearly put him for 200. Shane McClanahan, same kind of deal um, with the Rays, right? Uh, where they just kept pushing them. And I think, uh, I think the idea of the Strasburg rules are out the door now. I mean, mm -hmm. maybe for the first year, but once a guy is over 115, 120 for a big league club and they're a part of the rotation, they're not going to adjust in season anymore. I'm kind sure. of pushing that away. Sure. And I think Peralta is at that point, even though he threw 78 this year, it was due to injury. And as far as their idea of him being stretched out, I think is preserved from 2021. So you're going to see Peralta in that rotation for Milwaukee in April. And he's going to have the green light to pitch through the year. Maybe we'll see some sort of fatigue or something that is a ramification of that come August or September. There's an argument to be made there. And I'm not necessarily going to say no to that. But I, but that's that's my mentality when it comes to Peralta. I don't think the Brewers are going to say, no, you can't go higher than 140 now. It's mm. going to be something else that would do it. Now, injury-wise, that's, you know, that's a great question. Um, I'm trying not to... Uh, get too hampered on the injury question marks of guys because also when you get into like June you know it, it's two months in. remember Carlos Rodon this year we all I had tons of injury questions by the end I put him inside the top 20 when all was said yeah. and done but early on I had him at 30 or so because I said I don't know if that shoulder's okay there's too much concern about it we just don't know and then it was, you know, the end of April and everyone's like, Carlos Rodon is such an ace. Like, how could I have missed this? And at that point, as a fantasy manager, if you still have those concerns about the injury and everything, you can sell them. You know, you can yeah. trade them away at that point. And I think we, um, you know, we we look at it for the entire six months in the offseason. But then in season, it's a completely different story. Um, and... I, I wanna I wanna help future me more by saying, look, Freddie Peralta is gonna pitch out the gate for the Brewers. I think that his four seamer still limits hard contact a ton. It's under twenty one percent once again, which is excellent. Um, four seamers normally have a thirty one percent. That's league average 
hard contact rates for four seamers. We know this about Peralta. His fastball is incredibly hard to hit. Uh, the curveball and slider do need to improve a little bit when it comes to strike rates. Um, at least the slider does. Curveball actually jumped up to a 67%, which is insanely good. That's amazing. That's why we saw an 8.5% walk rate this year from Peralta. And has he pitched? 3.58 ERA, 104 whip, 27% K rate, which is a step back from 2021. But this was also an injury-riddled season. Getting back into rhythm, he looked good by the end. I'm I'm very much intrigued with Peralta. It's just a matter of the innings that we do get and um, if he can just stay in rhythm. Yeah. Um, I don't want to dig too much into this dude, but uh, I, I <laughs> okay. do want to... Uh, <laughs> just because like, I feel like we talk about him ad nauseum and there's clearly a little bit of a bias just because we've had conversations with him. But Lance McCullough Jr., I just don't think gets enough respect and it could be because he's he's a better real pitcher than he is a fantasy pitcher right because you're not going to mm. necessarily get the strikeouts you're going to get a low era you're going to get a pretty good whip um the injury concern is always there but i was looking into his playoff numbers do you know what his playoff era is oh it's incredibly good it's it's a two five over 60 yeah. innings yeah like i remember that, i remember him in the what was it 2017 he closed it out with uh charlie morden mm-hmm yeah, I remember there. Yeah, he's he's really good in the playoffs. It's like it's unbelievable. I mean, I I don't I just don't think I think because of the team that he's on and obviously the vitriol. And listen, I'm not trying to tangent too much here too, but like the, the Astros, you could you could call them cheaters. You can get as upset as you want about everything that happened. They're the only team in the playoffs right now that did exactly what they were supposed to do and played to their record. Mm. Uh, and I think that's very, very interesting and telling. And the Mariners were really um, close to that one, but we'll talk about that in the NABs. Uh, Nick and Alex Baseball though. Show. We'll talk, we'll talk about it in the Nick and Alex Baseball Show, which is a wonderful time. We didn't do Wild Thoughts last week, and I really got upset about it afterwards. Okay, we'll do it. Yeah, you weren't um, at all. <laughs> We, <laughs> you know me. Well, I guess we should talk about whether we're going to do that today or tomorrow later, because we should probably do it tomorrow now that the game got postponed. Although maybe it gets post. Maybe there never is a game five. Okay, I uh, there's <laughs> game one of the NLCS today. So uh, it's tonight. That's right. Um, all right. Any other people on this tier that you wanted to hit upon before we move on to? Tier I'm eight? just going to do the quick thing on each because that's what we do. Due diligence. Sure. Andrew Keeney. We know the slider got much better. He's also a free agent now. Um, and whatever he learned with the Dodgers, I think, carries over. Um, it's not like he does this and then is completely regressing if he's not part of L.A. Uh, the question is health and also consistency. It was amazing command at the beginning of the year. I don't know if it will be con- continued further, but you know, that slider is way better than what he had before. The fastball is better. I think he's still really good wherever he goes. For McCullers, it's the whip and the walk rate. 11% again. Um, whip was above 120. I don't believe that he's going to be dramatically better with it. And with all of these, it's about ceiling. How high can they go with this? Because we have a lot of guys that are productive or whatever at the bottom end, but it's about, no, I want to get the guys that are, I don't have SP fives and six. I just have a lot of SP threes on my team. So that's my biggest question. The colors and you throw in the injury concerns and everything like that. And so on Blake Snell. We saw it again. He was really bad. And then all of a sudden really, really good. I don't know. Like, is he going to be consistent with his approach? I mean, we were yelling at him last year. Then he told me, oh, no, the changeup. I can't wait to show it off. I'm like, what are you doing? I don't know. I think he's a little more volatile and more of a headache than I want to deal with. And Frankie Montes, I think about this a lot. Frankie Montes, ultimately, his whole shtick isn't so great. Uh, the fastball sinker gets grounders and outs, but 
it is it opens the door for more volatility that we see and especially considering that the slider is okay not great and the splitter is the pitch that makes or break us breaks a start and you guys know how i feel about splitters it's just not Mm. consistent so throw in the whole shoulder stuff um it makes me feel as if frankie montes i mean he can go you know seven innings one and run one day and then the next one five and uh five earned runs and so so i mean if there's you know i should bring back vpr volatility performance ratio and those that know what vpr is you are the true mvps of pitcher list um i I introduced that in 2015 and i never really went back to it but i but that's you know showcasing volatility and fast i know you have a few words about volatility too um i don't know if you want to share them now or you want to save them for later i'm under nda until f pass okay so first pitch arizona so you got to go to first pitch arizona we'll be there by the way just so you guys know um god the the flies in two weeks um for yeah. me and for tomorrow oh man uh we gotta finish if, our you, if you are at first pitch arizona and you see us please introduce yourself say hi that's yeah. the that's the beauty of it we want to talk to you we want to we want to meet you like never don't feel like you're overstepping or anything like we want to meet like, that's the joy of this event so listen to this oh what did you, you do what was that knocked over my my luckily empty glass of coffee but we're just gonna leave it in there that is broken i I was hoping it wasn't your emmy no god (laughs) you think an emmy is gonna shatter like that no once the uh, podcast is over and pray i don't step in my bare feet make sure Um, yeah oh god all right yeah, no, I'm gonna so pull. I'm gonna go to pull tier a eight. Full, I'm gonna pull a full uh, a diehard. Um, all right, yeah. Yeah, let's move it to tier eight. Tiny little baby tier. So I'm very excited to hear what 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 deli food this is here. So tier eight, 49 through 52. Charlie Morton, Jeffrey Springs, Jordan Montgomery, and Tony Gonsolin. Okay, What's it called why is it called that? We need to clarify something. This is not what? deli food. This oh, diner, 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 diner. Sorry. And keep, is it yep, just diner food or is it diner as a whole? I don't remember what I said at the top. I think I might have said I think diner, it was diner foods. food. Yeah, I think it was diner so, food. So I so I can't do like Rhonda as like the like the waitress for my no, uh, no, no, no. From, from I mean maybe Rhonda's a snack. Maybe Rhonda's Ron- a snack. No, no, no. Okay. Um I see that first of all, we're not gonna call Rhonda a snack. All right. We're not gonna we're not Why gonna not? do that. Ron Rhonda was a was a uh was a waitress. Um uh Teresa and Rhonda were the two that I bonded with at the seventh wow. avenue donut shop um oh. they were wonderful and they they would always go how you doing that cheeseburger with onion rings i'm like yes that's the one Rhonda. you know they would give me a free donut at the end because i was a regular they were my they're my people so never don't call her a snack she's wonderful. A snack is a good thing a snack means you're a cute person yeah just you know i don't know it seems I don't like it. I'm not denigrating like Rhonda here. Okay? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Please don't respect her. Respect <laughs> yeah, her. Please don't. She respect is a her? full-on tray. Uh, <laughs> She's more than a snack. She's yeah. A full course okay. Meal. All right. All right. She's All right, so wonderful. Uh, right, but anyway, let's talk about, so I can't do that. One. So what is what? I haven't named the tier. Oh my god. Where did we lose this? Where did we lose this podcast? Never, we never lose it. Um, this is the. Uh, I'm going to say this is the the. Uh, the iced tea because sometimes this is just what you want, but it's not what you go into a diner for. Mm, okay. All right. All right. I, I could dig that. Uh, let, let's start with uh, Charlie Morton. So Charlie Morton's back. I mean, a lot of people thought, all right, you know, he's going to be 39 back. 
what, no, he's, he's, he signed another no, no, deal, no, no, no. right? I know, I know, but is he back? Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. He's 39. He had a 434 ERA. There were moments. So the beginning of the year, it was like, okay, the, he does not have the fastball. He doesn't have the curveball. Like, I, I I really think it could have been something with the ball and getting used to the ball. He just didn't have the command of either of his pitches. Mm. And then it looks like it clicked, right? It looks like he found the command and maybe we were going to get Charlie Morton back, right? Goes from a 434. Um, no, excuse me. That was his career. We're looking at uh, 2022. He goes from a seven ERA in the first month of the season, brings it down to a four, six in May. And then we're cruising in the middle of the year, June, July, and August. We're talking low to mid three ERA starts, then just balloons up again in September and October. This is a guy who used to be able to have a little bit more consistency. Obviously, you knew you could expect a low three ERA. He was doing that consecutively through 2018 2019 2021 the injury concern was a thing of the past for him you knew you were going to be getting 170 out of him uh and then this year you still got the 170 but i don't know if it necessarily helped where he got drafted it is shocking i'm 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 the first person to tell you the home road splits are dumb um and and tell you that please stop trying to do that because it's random grouping mm-hmm. i I'll do it like this. July 22nd. Um the road this is all the home starts from July the 22nd uh through the end, all right? Zero earned runs, zero earned runs, zero earned runs, zero earned runs, one earned run, one earned run. Okay? These are the the road starts. Four earned runs, five earned runs, four earned runs, four earned runs, four earned runs, six earned runs. Yeah, that is unbelievable how consistently split those are. All the good starts were home. All the bad ones were on the road. And I don't say this stuff. I really this is from July 22nd through uh, September 25th. And I'm shocked to see that. Um, I don't know why I don't uh, when it's that extreme. Where it's literally all the good ones and all the bad ones are split up. That is not necessarily random grouping because that is like the only grouping <laughs> that would, you know what I mean? Um, well, so, let's, yeah. let's extrapolate even further. The career splits are also pretty, it's it's over a full run in ERA. We're talking a substantial sample size going from a 3.46 ERA at home to a 4.65 ERA in the road. Uh, with a 328 Woba on the road compared to a 298 Woba at home. That's, I, I mean, I, I can't, I mean, the, the next important step would to be to see like league average context, but to sure. have a full run difference, that's, that's pretty substantial for Morton. So, so that said, if you want to believe into that next year, it's up to you. I don't know if I do or not. Um, the only guys I could think of in recent memory that I would act like this was Tyler Malley. Um, and... Uh, there's someone else maybe it was steven matz i don't know i mean it wasn't steven matz so someone else maybe but what i'm getting at was with charlie Morton really though is that the beginning of the year was rough and it was rough also in 2021 before he clicked into place he clicked into place in the middle of may in 2021 for this one is the middle of june i joke that he's destined to click in the middle of july in 2023 now but i do believe into the fact that charlie Morton needs more time at the beginning of the year to get settled I don't want to deal with that because it will you we can say this now like oh don't worry he'll be fine in May or or June and hold on to it. We don't know in the moment. It, to hold that faith of saying oh no no he's going to be fine don't worry don't worry don't worry. Those are the hardest conversations that I have with people 
in uh, in April and May when I'm when I'm running the site, people say, "Do I hold on to this guy or chase this other amazing thing?" And I think I'm more inclined than ever before to leave something that I'm holding um, mm. for something else. True. I and it, it's I know it sounds crazy to do that, but I, I think there's an idea that we have of chasing the future as in like we're making a smart investment and there's something more alluring about that but i think especially in 12 teamers we don't credit enough of what how much production we can get just off the wire in general Mm. the fact that i got 99 streaming wins this year and i know i was one off and i had four days to do it and i didn't get it i'm so upset but the fact that I can do that which inside of 12 teamers, 20% or fewer rostered, I think that speaks a lot to, look, you can get, you know, you can move on from a guy that is clearly struggling early and that we're just holding on to. And I feel like Charlie Morton falls into that. So I don't think I'm going to be chasing it personally with Charlie Morton, but I hope he just comes out and dominates. I mean, that would be great, right? I mean, he did on opening day last year or his first start last this past year, 5.1 innings, two earned runs. And then he did not for for a while after. Um, only had really two good starts for the next ten, um, which is was horrible to see. So I don't want to. I think that that's not going to necessarily be any different in twenty twenty three for uh, for Charlie Martin. Man, twenty twenty three. Oh boy, yeah, oh, we're not used to that yet. Um, there's got to be something to be said too of like if if Atlanta's resigning him for another year, they they don't think that the 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 downturn is that imminent. You know what I mean? I guess so. Yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah. Um, but I w- I want to move on to uh, another person in this tier. Um, Jordan Montgomery kind of I don't want to say finally delivered the season we expected because 2021 was a very good season for him, but this is even more so what we were kind of hoping from him, right? I mean, he got you 32 starts, got you 178 innings, so the leash was off a little bit. You know, yes, the K rate took a little bit of a drop compared to what we're used to seeing. We're usually, you know, kind of expecting him to be in that like 24, uh, 25% range, dropped down to about 22%, so not too substantial, but minimized uh, hard contact a, a lot more, still 14% swing strike rate, which is top 30. Um, now he's obviously going to be pitching in a much better ballpark for him, a far weaker division in the NL Central. What are you thinking about a full year of Jordan Montgomery pitching in the NL Central for the Cards? Yeah, this is this is an emphasis of being like, okay, you're in a better situation now in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, 109 whip this past year for the Bear, that is Jordan Montgomery. Um, 22% K rate, 348 ERA. It, it, We've always had an anticipation of, of Montgomery being better considering the swing strike rate was really good. 14% this year was 30th in all of starting pitchers, which is, I think a lot of people will be really shocked to see that, but 30th in swing strike rate, but 82nd in K rate, put away rates were really bad. He would lose guys a lot. Mm. Um, part of that would be his four seamer that would be saved for two strike counsel at 40 uh, or about 40% of the time, both this year and last. And his strike rates on that, 58% in 2021, 66 in 2022. He was more efficient with that pitch, which is good to see um, when he, he wouldn't just get deeper into counts and lose guys a lot, right? The the curveball and the changeup did not really have major gains, I would say, in, in strike rates. Um, there were days that the sinker would just get a ton of called strikes, and I felt on a given day, it was all about the sinker having a higher CSW or not. 
Um, and if he was able to get through starts with that sinker, I mean, it's batting average allowed went from 354 to 249, or as I would say earlier in this podcast, 0.249. <laughs> and that is, that's a huge difference. Um, maybe that is the Cardinals doing that. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's just, he felt better with it this past year. Maybe his locations were just way better um, as he jammed guys a little bit more inside. I think it's just really a larger emphasis is really what happened um, from 22% to 34% on that sinker um, as he got a better groove of it. O-swing went up a little bit, but not much more. Um, a few more whiffs as well. But the way I see it is Jordan Montgomery, sure, he's he knows what he's doing. He's got sinkers early. He's got a curveball and changeup that still miss bats. Um, very mm-hmm. effectively, uh, the curveball, 18% swing strike rate, change up 24%. And uh, that four-seamer sometimes does show up, and that's cool, too. With that really good defense, I think he's a very safe one. I see him like an, a Toby, but he does have a little bit more strikeout upside, and he might be closer to a guy like Logan Webb than he is someone like your uh, Merrill Kelly. Okay, very nice. Nice little deep dive there on Jordan Montgomery. Uh, before we move on to our next and probably final tier for this podcast, we make it up to number 60. That should be good. Um, any uh, any additional thoughts on the remaining two pitchers here? Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Jeffrey Springs, I don't want to talk about him too much, but I got to say 12th in ERA, 32nd in whip, and tw- 32nd in strikeout rate this year, 16th in swing strike rate. That's insane. Like, I I I know we have our hesitations talking about Jeffrey Springs for the human, but um, man, uh, he has a really really incredible change up twenty three percent swing strike rate this year, thirty three percent CSW, and normally when we see a high swing strike rate on change up, it means that you get a low strike rate uh, because they're throwing out of the zone. He has a fifty percent O swing on it, thirty four percent zone rate, about a seventy percent strike rate just underneath that, which is insanely good. Um, you also have a slider that is effective as well. 67% strike rate, not as good as that changeup, but he does the Blake Snell blueprint. He goes upstairs with it. Um, the four seamer down with the changeup. The biggest concern I have really is the raise being the raise and preventing him from extending into games. Um, innings per start this year were about four. Um, <laughs> and he got extended. Keep in mind, like in the beginning of the year, it was low. Um, you know, he was as in relief for it. So I don't know how yeah. much I believe into that. Yeah, I was going to say um, there were eight games in relief, but still, I would say it's about five, um, maybe. Uh, I mean, he had starts of three innings. He had starts of four twice and they did want to limit him at the end. They actually said, OK, we're not going to push him 135 innings this year. And that should go up next season. Maybe it is like Shane McClanahan. They don't really have many starters. Um, so it could be something that I'm over amplifying in this, but. I don't know. I feel as if the the whole thing that he had worked really well this year, it's going to get a little bit worse considering the fastball had a 36% hard contact rate. Um, but that changeup is just so dang good. And if he has that again, he should be very effective for you. Tony Gonsolin, I didn't really buy at the beginning of the year. One of my biggest faults of the season was how I did not believe in Tony Gonsolin, who ended the season with the second best ERA and third best whip across 130 innings. If you're wondering, hey, that's not qualified, we do all these ranks over the top 200 pitchers and batters faced. Mm-hmm. Um, and that because we feel that is most relevant for fantasy. Um, and that's insane. Uh, slider still isn't that great. And I think he has, hasn't returned to what it used to be. 
Um, not enough strikes, only a, just about a 60% strike rate. Really good at limiting hard contact, but that's because he just doesn't get enough strikes with it. Um, while the splitter was really good, and I don't know if the splitter is going to be that good again. The fastball is, I think, overperformed, but it is the Dodgers defense, and the Dodgers defense helped a ton. So I don't know. I don't know how to feel about Tony Gonsolin. Um, I think a lot of people are going to be higher on him than I am, and that's okay. I'm uh, definitely going to need him. Bueller out for the year, probably going to need yeah. uh, going to need some Kershaw could be gone. Energy. Yeah, Kershaw could be theoretically. Gone Heaney as could well. be gone. Tyler Anderson could be gone. God, what are they going to do? Um, all right, let's move on to the <laughs> sign final a lot of guys. Tier. That's what they'll do. Yeah, maybe. Are there? It's not a really good starting pitcher free agent class this year. They'll though, re-sign at least one of those probably, and then yeah. they'll have Michael Grove and uh, Gavin Stone, and they'll have things. Don't worry yeah, I'm sure the they'll. If there's one organization, I'm not really worried about what they're going to yeah. be pitching. It's it's. The <laughs> I'm just so worried about the Dodgers. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, tier nine here, 53 through 59, uh, Jack Flaherty, Dustin May, Lucas Giolito, Tyler Molly, Sonny Gray, Kenta Maeda, Mike Soroka. What's it called and why is it called that? Um, yeah, these are the this is the onion ring tier because I, I have this idea in my head of like the good onion rings. And it's kind of funny. They're the ones that like actually are like the frozen ones. I don't love the giant beer battered onion ring. Okay. I think it just doesn't work. And I like the more condensed small ones. I like the frizzled. I like the like the shoestring onion rings. Okay, yeah. But you just you do not know what you're gonna get. Yeah, um, <laughs> and you really don't. Sure. Like you show up at a diner, you're like, I want I want pictures. Show me a picture of your sure, onion rings, what, please. Yeah. Do you have yeah, it? Yeah. You know, and they don't. Like, honey. Like, okay, fine. I, I won't go with it. I'll just have fries. Thank you. Um, so that's, I mean, that's what it is here. This was part of that original redemption tier. I know I've pretty much said the same thing three times for these tiers, but they all are really the same. Uh, and uh, yeah, I hope these guys work out. Yeah, it's a very interesting tier because there really are so many guys that either didn't live up to the promise or are returning from injury um, or both in some instances. You know, Jack Flaherty is a guy that I feel like we've just had perpetual conversations about since his 2019 breakout right i mean like well no i guess 2018 was really the breakout and it was fantastic but he got even better in 2019 thanks to arguably one of the greatest second half performances in 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 baseball but then since then so what are we looking at we're looking at just some quick maths here 110 150 innings total since 2020 um hasn't been able to throw over uh you know had 78 last year 36 this year um you look at that and you're like, oh, I wonder if this is a guy who had Tommy John. That's not the case. Like, are are we ever going to get another 150 inning season out of Jack Flaherty? I hope so. I mean, he's certainly going to have the offseason to to get back up there. I uh, That's the way I see it at this point. We're around 50 in your drafts. And I, you know, I, I look at tier 10 and I, I find myself wanting to push some of these guys above tier nine. Um, and maybe even tier eight in some cases. And I might be doing that by the time the season starts. But I I, I, I really celebrate this because this is the fun for me. Is there are like 50 guys or, or, or not 50. I'm sorry. That's an exaggeration. But like 25 different players where I want. I, I, I could see all of them excelling. There's a path for all of them to be really, really good. And all that Jack Flaherty needs is to not have his shoulder bother him. Um, I don't think the skill set is truly in question if he does pitch consistently. Um, that's really it. 
I Fastball and Slider, it's still really good. I mean, we saw hints of this last year. I'm sorry, the end of this past year. He last two games, he had 15 strikeouts in, in 12 innings. Was he throwing as hard as we used to see? Not necessarily. Um, you know, it wasn't 94. It was more 93. But yeah, this is, I mean, this is kind of Jack Flaherty. Um, and as long, I mean, he was throwing 90 pitches for his last five games. Um, I, I, I dig this. I, I, I think that you give him a full healthy offseason and spring training and everything at this point in the draft, which is, I don't know, SP5 or so. Like, take a chance on this stuff. I mean, you can take a chance on all of these. I uh, the only issue is that if you take Flaherty, that means I can't take someone else. But I'm I think this is the year. I know I try and limit this every year. I think this is the year I really go ham wild and like too many starters. Um, but I don't start all of them. Like I I I go really heavy and go like ten starters or something in my draft. Mm-hmm. But I don't start them all out out of the gate. I just know mm-hmm. that they I will not be able to get them off the wire if they do well. And like the first week, I might drop like three of them, <laughs> you know, um, but I feel that there is a little more of an emphasis on this. Uh, there, the, there being like more talent inside the top 80 that can be the top 30 yeah. than any other year. I want to I want to give you, a, you you do a lot of mock drafts. I want to give you a, ch- a challenge for one a of your challenge. mock drafts. OK, yeah, no, I want you to go eight batters. And then let's say five pitchers. That's easy. I almost just did that in the PL mock we're doing. Right All right. Now. So then we'll do then we'll do eight. Ten. Eight. We'll do ten rounds. Ten rounds without a pitcher. Ten without a pitcher and then ten with. So first yeah. ten are batters, second ten are pitcher. Beautiful. Love it. Can't wait to see it. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um so let's let's talk about uh, Lucas Giolito then next. I mean, boy oh boy, really not the season that you were kind of hoping out of Lucas Giolito. I mean we really thought we were out of the woods with the with the with the terrible uh, years for him after 2018, putting together consistently mid three ERA seasons, and then this year just tanks. I mean, pretty much a five ERA, unarguably actively hurting your fantasy squad. I imagine people at some point over the course of the year were just like, "I'm not doing this anymore," and either dropped or were not starting him. Are you thinking that a full off season this year is going to be able to give him a little bit of a bounce back, or are you just hoping that he's going to fall super late in drafts and you're going to be able to pick him up and know that there's some potential really good upside for him? What are you thinking about Giolito? So I will say the first three months he had a 93 mile per hour fastball. Then after that, it was closer to 91, 92. Um, and I think I think I saw a quote, and I could be very wrong, and I'm so I apologize, to everyone. I implore everybody to look for this about Giolito getting hurt like in April, like right away and not letting himself heal. And it just kind of held on for the year. And I really do think that like Lucas Giolito inherently just needed a reset button. Hmm. You know, it's one of those lost seasons. We see this all the time where there's that one weird season that someone was just really bad. And then, you know, they come back and they're great. And the mechanical adjustment he made for 2020, 2021, I mean, you're entering 2019 is still present. Um, I still think he has good movement on on the slider and, and the changeup. We actually saw starts with the fastball is really bad, like ninety miles per hour in change, which is so strange seeing from Giolito, someone who's supposed to be sitting at like ninety four. But then the curveball and the and the changeup performed well, right? So I think you just give him a full off season, let the guy heal, 
Um, and he's still going to give you innings. Like, he is a volume guy uh, for the White Sox. You could say, no, he's not going to go 190, 200. He hasn't done that before. Fine. But even in this down year, uh, 173, 176, all 12 starts in 2020, uh, 178, 161. I mean, he's going to be doing it. So I, I'm a fan of drafting him now and just seeing what is in the spring. Is he sitting, sitting 93, 94 in the spring? Like there? I mean, is he like, I want to see like hitting 96 or something. You know what I mean? If I see that from Giolito and you hear some quotes, I'm like, oh yeah, I feel good. I feel great. Like I'm in on Giolito at that point. Okay. Um, Two more here. Uh, Tyler Molly got traded to Minnesota. We're all very excited to get him out of Cincinnati considering his home road splits. And then he gets injured. He only throws what one or two, no, he four starts total for 16 innings for Minnesota, but now he's going to have a full season. I believe Uh, he's, yeah, he's not a free agent until 2024. What are you expecting out of Tyler Molly? Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. I want to be in on, on Tyler Malley. It's, to me, it's always been a question of like, hey, he has a really good four-seamer. It's just about finding the secondary stuff to complement it. The home road split stuff is is pretty wild um, for Tyler Malley. Um, through the years, he's one of the few guys that said, okay, fine, I acknowledge that you don't start him at home. But um, I don't know how healthy he is. Uh, it's shoulder stuff. Yeah. So shoulder stuff is never fun. And, you know... I, again, this is, this is part of that tier of like, how do they look? You know, Kenta Maeda, Mike Soroka are in this tier. Kenta Maeda is coming back from Tom and John. There's there's questions of maybe him returning this year. So maybe he's okay. I don't know what we're going to get from Kenta Maeda. Is his fastball mm-hmm. going to be able to steal strikes? Is the slider and spitter going to be out of the zone and getting tons of chases? I don't know. But do I want to take that chance? Absolutely. Um, same with Mike Soroka. Is he going to be... They say that he's going to be good for the spring, but that's what we were going to say he was going to be good for the spring this time last year. You know? Yeah. So uh, we don't know, but we know the talent is there. And generally, I like the idea, especially at this point, if the only question is health, fantastic. Like, because then I make my easy, quick decision, right? And then great, they're off my team. I go and get someone else, you know? And this is, I'm going to be drafting these guys around 150 and and later. Uh, So what's the, you know, I'm not going to get like a de facto hitter normally there. Um. It makes all the sense in the world. Same with Dustin May. Is he all right? Is he okay? Is he good? I mean, he wasn't even that great when he pitched. So yeah, yeah. I, but if he, I mean, he's going to be starting for the Dodgers. We forgot him in that whole thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Dustin May should be good. He should be fine as long as he's healthy. So, I mean, that that's how it feels for all these guys. At least with Tyler Malley, like strikeouts are still alive, twenty five percent this year, and he should be pitching regularly for the Twins as long as he's healthy. So I don't think it's going to be over for year again. I don't think his whip is going to be below one, two, five. I don't really think it should be one, two, two. I think it should be better than that. So um, he's fine. Uh, I don't think he has the same ceiling as the others uh, in this tier, but I think he's has a higher floor as far as production of strikeouts goes. Um, I want to blow your mind about Kenta Maeda real quick. Okay, So it's six seasons in, in Major League Baseball, right? Yeah. He has never in back-to-back years had an ERA that starts with the same number. Okay? So <laughs> he goes right? from a 3-4 ERA to a 4-2, down to a 3-8, up to a 4, <laughs> down to a 2, up to a 4. He's never yeah. had back-to-back years where he's posted an ERA so that begins due. with the same numbers. So, we're yeah, so we're, I hope four. not. 
<laughs> I hope not. I really hope not. Um, any other insights about any remaining pitchers in this list? I mean, you hit upon Dustin May. I just did it. I, I did all of all the insights are there. You touched Soroka? I touched Soroka. We don't know. Remember this time last year we were saying the same thing? Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I oh, man. And we're going to leave tier 10 for the next one. Oh, that's so fun. Tier 10. Tier 10. Because oh. there, there are some people at the back end. Really, the whole tier of tier 10. This, a is, lot the, of, this is the most fun tier for me. Yeah. And this I is the one I struggle with the most is like, I mean, this is just a tease for the next episode. Um, if you're yeah. listening to these, by the way, I imagine some of you guys are listening to them like not in October as we do them. Uh, so enjoy. Uh, <laughs> welcome back you to the Pitchless Podcast, you know. Um, but this is the tier that's so hard for me because, and we'll talk about it next episode. All of these could be like the breakout star of 2022. Yeah, I mean, truly no, could be. I mean, one of them is uh, is already getting drafted way higher than I have this, and I understand it. I get it completely. Um, you can probably guess which one that is uh, uh, from tier ten. Oh, there's a few, but um, uh, man, this is where you, you talk about Nick. Take 10, 10 pitchers straight. You're gonna see a lot of these in there. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about them, but. Alas, that's it for this episode. That is going to do it for episode number 346 of On the Corner, the official PutYourList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast. And I'm Nick Pollock, and we'll talk to you guys next week.